come to church. There you go. I'm turned on now. Sorry about that. Um, he ministers uh, uh, in our stream of churches, and we've known him for many, many years. Travels all over the world. And also does individual healing and restoration ministry, as well as teaching on a bunch of different subjects. But um, glad you're here. We're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And as um, if you're if you're new, uh, you may not know, but if you've been here, you know that we've been going through the sermon week by week, taking our time, uh, not in a hurry, really taking the whole summer to go through the Sermon on the Mount. And um, uh, what we've been uh, reading is. following Jesus as He's comparing kingdom righteousness, how to be righteous in the kingdom of God and His kingdom, which this is really the inaugural address of of the King in His new kingdom. And so he's, He's explaining the parameters of His kingdom and what it means to be a citizen in His kingdom. So we're in a series of... Uh, comparisons, and we're going to continue that series. If you missed the earlier parts, you can go and uh, listen to them online. We're going to jump in verse 33 through 42 in the New King James. It says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic. How many have a tunic this morning? All right. Sounds like a rapper. That's what I think. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I should do this in rhyme. All right. But there's no time. (laughs) I'd get a fine. (laughs) Okay. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, whatever tunic may be, let him have your cloak. Oh yeah, we have a lot of those. Also, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Okay, so... Uh, there's a bit of change of direction. The previous verses, Jesus has been talking really strictly or, or sternly, or directly, I should say, about things that we're to avoid, uh, things like murder, <laughs> and, uh, and, and boil that down to anger, uh, not just the act of murder, but it starts in the heart, and, and uh, adultery and lust, broken marriage vows or divorce as well as uh, oaths and our our word. And so now the change of direction is he's telling us things that we ought to do, our behavior and um, that we're to practice as an evidence, not just behavior we're to avoid, but these are actions that we are to act out uh, our faith or what it means, what it looks like to be a disciple in more active ways. And we're going to begin with, as he starts out, it says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Well, Jesus is referring to an Old Testament law. <clears throat> and part of this series is not only to teach you the information of the sermon, but uh, along with that, as we go through this, I'm giving you little tips about how to get stuff out of the Bible. And so when you come across an, a quote from the Old Testament as you're reading the New Testament, guess what a good thing to do is? Find it in the Old Testament. <clears throat> And see, read the context. See what it meant in the, in the, in the original uh, uh, giving of it and see how that relates. And it's quite interesting. Uh, actually, one, one little tidbit, and it doesn't apply to this verse, but sometimes Jesus will quote a verse and it seems completely out of place. And uh, a practice of uh, uh, rabbis in Jesus' day, 
because the majority of people, in fact, all, all males uh, of Jewish descent, had memorized uh, much of the Torah, the first five books of the, of the Bible. Some memorized the whole Old Testament. Um, uh, the practice was to say the verse before, the phrase before the verse that you actually are referring to. Because everyone in their own mind would finish the next verse and it makes us stronger. Uh, you know, for God so loved the world. Alright, and so Jesus sometimes quotes the, for God so loved the world and leaves the second part off because his audience knew the, the next line. And that's actually more of an impact. So sometimes you read the, 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 look up the Old Testament verse and see how it applies. So Jesus is actually referring to this verse as anyone who injures another person must be dealt with according to the injury inflicted. A fracture for a fracture, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Whatever anyone does to injure another person must be paid back in kind. So <clears throat> normally when we hear an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, in our culture, that sounds really severe. It's like, justice! We want justice! An eye for an eye! You know, you know pluck out somebody's eyes, cut somebody's hand off, you know. Uh, but in reality, this law actually was intended to protect the culture and also the, the, the offender, as well as whoever was offended, to limit the punishment to not be too severe or that was went beyond whatever crime was being punishment, punished. And so that kind of brings a whole new understanding. So these laws were given to limit vengeance and help the court administer punishment that was neither too strict nor too lenient. So it was bringing, uh, in the Old Testament, it was bringing <clears throat> a culture that had virtually, these were all slaves that had been taken out of Egypt, and it was giving them a structure for society and that you cannot just seek out your own revenge and do whatever you feel is, you know, whatever satisfies your vengeance. No, there's actually limits to that. And, and so Jesus is speaking uh, into that. By Christ's time, as it is today, physical penalties had generally been replaced by financial damages. So <clears throat> just like uh, today, if you get in a car accident or, or if someone, you know, you know, you know, loses control of their car and plows down your fence, um, you know, uh, the right response is not for you to go to their house and tear down their fence. <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be the literal application. <clears throat> that was r ridiculous. They figured it out that this, this is better applied or this is more applicable if we just assign uh, financial um, obligation. And so, uh, just as it is today, if, if there's damage done there, in Jesus' day, they would go to court and they would determine what the financial implication was. So, <clears throat> again, that's just to give you some idea of, of, let's bring this into understanding what Jesus was talking about and, and get, this, get it to the place where we can apply it in our lives. Jesus was not contradicting the laws that maintain order and justice in a community. Rather, he's addressing the misuse of that law as a way to demand a tit-for-tat application of justice or to justify personal vendetta. You know what tit-for-tat means? Huh? You know, like, like if you do this, then, then you deserve this. And this idea that everything that is, uh, any, anybody that offends me, if there's this wrong, we have to figure out exactly how to solve that and, and make it fair. You know, and this idea that uh, uh, Jesus is talking 
and addressing an, an attitude of really concealed vengeance that requires, you know, if someone does you wrong, you have to pay them back. There has to be, uh, 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 that has to be addressed. We're going to go into more detail. He, he, in, he continues on and says, but I tell you, so that was the Old Testament command. Jesus is saying, but in the kingdom, this is the lifestyle that uh, kingdom righteousness uh, looks like. This is what kingdom righteousness looks like. I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the cheek, turn the other to him also. <clears throat> How many have a problem with that verse? Okay. Because <clears throat> if you slap me on the cheek, I'm not going to slap you on your cheek. I'm going to punch you in the face. <clears throat> Right? <laughs> I'm going to take you down. You slap me on the cheek. You slap me. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out what that means in a minute. <clears throat> Turn the other cheek to him also. If anyone wants to sue you to take away your tunic, I don't have a tunic, so good check. <laughs> go for it. Let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to him who asks, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Uh, Jesus is, is uh, not addressing the legal, political, societal, or criminal system. He's rather bringing it down to a very personal level. It's very important to understand. Uh, too often, we're willing to argue about right and wrong uh, on a grand scale, on a political scale, a criminal justice scale, uh, you know, political ideologies. But we uh, neglect understanding and living out and practicing Righteousness, practicing justice and mercy on a, on a practical, personal level. And so Jesus is taking these principles and, and talking about how are you living them out in your life. And Jesus is challenging us uh, to demonstrate righteousness in, on a personal level in, in ways that uh, affect our interpersonal relationships and, and not hide behind a smoke screen. Uh, the... Uh, commentator that I'm using, a guy named France, <clears throat> says this about this passage. He says, he's talking about a willingness to forego one's personal rights and to allow oneself to be insulted and imposed upon is not incompatible with a firm stand for matters of principle and for the rights of others. So there's a contrast here between uh, you're personally, being personally willing to suffer injustice uh, uh, and insults as a separate issue to uh, it's not being that's not incompatible with demanding uh, human rights, you know, and rights for the oppressed. Does that make sense? You know, and sometimes we, we get those confused. So <clears throat> Jesus in this uh, passage is not demanding pacifism. That's kind of what I'm getting to because this is how it's most often uh, interpreted. Read, well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek, so he must have been a pacifist, so we, we, we can't, uh, you know, have any form of retaliation. No, he's not talking about uh, a criminal justice system. He's not talking about forms of, uh, def- uh, you know, pacifism is the idea that all forms of defense, criminal punishment, and the use of force is wrong. All right? That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about how you respond to personal insults. All right? Um, <clears throat> Someone can be a pacifist, and they can believe that war is wrong and, and all of that, and, and, and the death penalty is wrong, but they can still be uh, all bound up with offense and anger, right? And turmoil. And that's not righteousness, right? 
we may never have to demonstrate what Jesus is talking about, being slapped in the face, for example, uh, in a literal way. But we're daily, how many of us are daily confronted with people who hurt us emotionally? Right? Verbally. Okay? Yeah, we are. So how do we respond to it? You know, and you're, and you're, you know, of course my wife never does. She's perfect. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, and I only say that because if, if I didn't, she'd slap me yeah. <laughs> in the face. <laughs> then I have to turn the other one. <laughs> so, uh, no, we, we encounter people that hurt us on a regular basis, emotionally, verbally, in, in all different ways. And how do we respond? What is kingdom righteousness uh, look like on a day-to-day basis in how you live out your life? And so Jesus is setting a very high standard, and he's talking about how we're going to demonstrate that in our personal lives. The Life Application Bible has this to say about this part. It says, when we are wronged, often our first reaction is to get even. Instead, Jesus said we should do good to those who wrong us. Our desire should not be to keep score. Come on. But, yeah, scorebook. Well, I don't do that. You liar. (laughs) Come on. This is a natural tendency. Our desire, as Jesus said, we should do good to those who wrong us. Our desire should not be to keep score, but to love and forgive. This is not natural. It is supernatural. Only God can give us the strength to love as He does. Instead of planning vengeance, pray for those who hurt you. That's the, that's the big idea behind this. But we need to understand you, this keeping scores. When, when your spouse says something that hurts, you keep track of that. And then you know, there's something inside that is like you're not settled until you say something that hurts back. Or you save it up. You just swallow it instead of forgiving. Or talking it out. Or sharing that hurt. You just you hold it until later and then, you know, after a few little punches, you come back with a, a you know, sludgehammer. Right? Or interactions at work with fellow employees, the same thing. Oh, they're always doing that, they're always doing that. You know, I am sick and tired. Well, if you're sick and tired, that means you've been keeping track. <laughs> you know? I am so frustrated. That means you're, you're keeping track. You're not living in the present. And so Jesus said, no. Um, Then Jesus follows this command, this big idea, with four examples. We're going to go through those four examples, hopefully more quickly than first service. (laughs) The first example is insults. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. This is not an act of violence as it's most often uh, interpreted. Uh, Slapping on the cheek was actually an insult. Uh, the commentator <clears throat> says it, explains it this way. It, that word or that phrase that Jesus used was very descriptive of a blow with the back of the hand. Like, so if I walked up and slapped somebody, I went, Peter, like, what are you thinking? You know, that's not the that's not an act of violence. That's actually an, an act, an insult of contempt. All right, and it expresses the greatest possible contempt within the culture, especially. I mean, even today, that's what, if I just slap, if you were talking to your spouse and you just slap them like that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Then the frying pan's coming. 
<laughs> All right. Well, this is in like if you're arguing with a, a client, a business, uh, you know, you know, another business, and, and they slap. You know, that was that was actually an insult. And in Jesus' day, it was punishable. That was a punishable crime by a very, very heavy fine. So the people that heard Jesus say that knew what that meant. He knew he wasn't, everyone knew that he wasn't talking about pacifism. And wasn't even talking about how to respond to violence. He was actually talking about how to respond to insults. Yeah, so wow, that just makes this verse a whole lot more applicable, doesn't it? <laughs> this situation is one of the insults rather than a physical violence. It's possibly seen also as an aspect of religious persecution. So if people pick on you because you're evangelical. All right. <clears throat> um, it's not speaking about defending yourself. I already said that. Listen, this, this idea comes up a lot when uh, parents uh, come and ask me, you know, their, their child is being picked on by a bully. You know, but Jesus says turn the other cheek. So, you know, how do we have actually work that out? And I always say, well, this is what you need to do. You need to teach them how to fight. You know, it's kind of parenthetically, because that verse is not talking about how to respond to bullies. Okay? There are other verses that talk about that. And so, and, and you teach a child how and when. And, and when is a big deal. Uh, you know, you don't fight unless you have to. But if you have to, there are times when you have to protect yourself from violence. And there are the right ways to do that. And so um, don't miss, don't, it's, it's actually a misinterpretation of this verse to apply that to uh, um, violent acts or physical abuse. Because that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about insults. <clears throat> so how do we react when, when we are insulted? The natural response is, shields up, phasers locked, fire when ready. Right? Come on. How many saw the Star Trek movie? <clears throat> Or any of them. <laughs> right? You're just waiting for that line. Shields up! <laughs> so, uh, uh, we were driving down the, down the road the other day and this big bug hits the windshield. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> and Kathy said, thankfully there was a force field. <laughs> we, we do have shields. We just call them windshields. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> The supernatural, the nat, that's the natural response. The supernatural, and it does take supernatural power. This is the point. You cannot live kingdom righteousness without the king in residence. Right? The Holy Spirit is active. He's, the whole point of Jesus' sermon is to call us to a level of righteousness that requires supernatural impartation. Because it's a supernatural kingdom, we're, we're, we're called to represent that. And so <clears throat> it's a supernatural response to say, I'm not going to strike back. Oops. When Jesus said not to resist, it actually can be translated, don't set oneself against. And is, isn't that how we sometimes respond to real or perceived insults? We set ourselves against. To me, that, that helps me understand don't resist better <clears throat> in that I'm not to set myself against. Because when someone insults me, the natural response is, I set myself, I prepare myself to be against them. Either in self-defense or in offensive retaliation. And both of those is, is what Jesus is calling us, not, not how we should respond to perceived or real insults. And the reason I say perceived or real insults, because in my <clears throat> experience, as a pastor, I find that at least 90% if not more, of insults are actually just perceived. 
someone did or said something that you perceived as being an insult. But to them, it was like they may not have even been thinking of, of, of you. Or, or thinking of the situation, but they said or did something that just rang you like, how dare they say that about me? And they're thinking about something totally else. And so it's perceived. But even if it was a real insult, we're, we're to respond in a way that we don't set ourselves against that person. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, the best way, Jesus goes on and teaches us, that the best way to avoid setting yourself against someone is actually setting yourself actively to be for them. Right? This is how you know. <clears throat> There's no neutral zone. <laughs> Another Star Trek reference there. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, you can't have the enemy over there and me over here and we just keep our space. No, I'm going to be actively for this individual that I perceive insulted me whether and, and and there's a big step just if you if you if you begin now to say every time i feel a, a slight or an insult from anyone and again it always starts with the people that are closest to your relationships that are closest your children your spouse your parents uh and then people you work with people you interact with people at church if you feel that way toward anyone don't set yourself against them but begin to actively bless them all right and then you'll know that's living out a Christ-like life. That's fulfilling this command. Don't just react, but actively demonstrate Christ's behavior by turning the other cheek. <clears throat> um, and turning the other cheek is actually uh, don't tr- turn away. Don't isolate. You know, if someone slaps you on the cheek and uh, you, you just walk away, Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't set yourself. Don't don't separate yourself from the person. Don't put them in confinement. How many, how many know we put people in solitary confinement? <clears throat> because we won't have anything to do with them. Because every time we're around them... Oh, every time. So you, you're keeping track, are you? Yeah. You're still keeping track. <laughs> every time I'm around them, I have opportunity to bless them and pray for them and try to understand them. That's what Jesus is saying we're going to do. So... Turning the other cheek actually means turn around and face them again. Thank you. (laughs) We should face them. Look at them. Love them. Even if it means risking being hurt again. Jesus was slapped in the face during His trial. Just read this in my reading through the Bible. Uh, Jesus was slapped in the face. He slapped in the face. said, "Who, Who slaps you if you profit? Uh, but he didn't, and he could have. He could have called down the angels right then. He had the power. He could have slayed them all. Right? And the authority. But he didn't. Uh, he demonstrated this for us as an example in an extreme way. How much more should we be able to, to demonstrate that? You know, and he was being beaten and, and tortured. We're just slighted. And we have to turn the other cheek. We have to turn our, our face back to someone and express love for them. <clears throat> it's expressing Christ-like behavior. Second example <clears throat> to illustrate the point or a way to apply the point is in judgment. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, how many have a tunic? <clears throat> Do you really have a tunic? I just don't understand. I wish I'd use another translation. That's why I'm just joking. I, I think tunic sounds like a... A rapper, you know what I'm talking about? Isn't there, 
two-pack. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm just having fun. Let him have your cloak. I don't have a cloak either. Okay, <clears throat> what's he talking about? Okay, suing is going to court. And when you go to court, you're seeking judgment. Ah, oh, that I understand. Don't make judgments. Don't go to. Don't seek out a judgment. And someone does that. How are you supposed to react when someone judges you? Again, <clears throat> if you think, well, this only applies to me if someone sues me and takes me to court. Jesus is using that as an illustration to talk about a heart issue. He's going through a whole list of these. He's talking about when someone makes a judgment against you, how do you react? He says, you know, how about when someone thinks you're doing something wrong and that you should pay for it? You're wrong. This is what you need to do. How do you react when you know that you're not wrong or you think you're not wrong? You think they're being unfair. How do you react? The natural reaction is to prepare your defense. And the best defense is a strong offense. And so you open fire with the equal and opposite judgments and demands. What do you mean? You think I do this? You do this ten times times worse. I'm telling you, every time this comes up. And maybe you don't do that out loud because it's your boss. But it's the same moral transgressions. It has the same negative consequences even if you do it in your heart. Maybe you don't do it out loud because you're too shy or too passive. But you're inside. You're ripping yourself apart and you're all full of turmoil and anger. Jesus is addressing that. When someone uh, uh, accuses you and expects you to pay, how do you respond? It's, that's not Christ-like behavior to respond that way. Again, Jesus is referring to another Old Testament law. And you can look that up. And the law says, I, I don't have the reference, but it was a pers- if a person was found guilty, you could actually take their tunic or their shirt, which would be their, their, their regular shirt, um, but not their cloak, which is referring to their outer garment. And the reason for that is because if you took someone's outer garment in that day, it could be life-threatening. So that means it wasn't fair. Again, these laws were to ensure um, justice <coughs> in a civil situation. And so Jesus is saying if, if someone is, it, it has the right to actually take away your shirt, you need to go beyond what is legally right and give them your coat too, even though it's not required. Go beyond what's required to express kingdom righteousness. Okay, It allows kingdom righteousness, allows ourselves to be wronged, even beyond what is legally uh, acceptable, in order to demonstrate Christ-like love, in order to demonstrate uh, what Jesus did, really. You know, because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus demonstrated when he was judged wrongfully and endured the punishment on the cross when he died for his sins. He did not deserve that death, did he? He's the only one who lived a sinless life. But he experienced wrongful judgment and wrongful punishment. And by that injustice okay, that, ex- that he experienced, it enabled our redemption. You see that? Right? Kathy's edition. There you go. Perhaps in some way, when we suffer real or perceived injustice, listen, and trust God for our uh, defense rather than defend ourselves, we also may make a way for evil people to find redemption. I actually believe this. When we demonstrate Christ-like character, 
Just like Jesus demonstrated uh, taking punishment He didn't deserve, it opened a way for us to find redemption. When we do that in our lives, it opens the way for people that are maybe mistreating you or people that are seeing this play out and watching how you respond as a Christian. It may make room for them to come to an awareness of Jesus as Savior. How can they react that way? Third example is expectations. <clears throat> it says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. All right? On this word compel, again, look up the word. It helps you understand what he's talking about. It was a specific term that everyone that Jesus was talking about, talking to, understood. Um, it means, um, it was a specific term for the Roman soldiers' practice of commandeering civilian labor in an occupied country. G- the, the Israel <clears throat> was occupied by the Roman uh, government, and there was Roman soldiers all over the place. And a Roman soldier had the right, if he had to move some stuff, he could just grab anybody that he wanted, said, carry this bucket a mile. And they were required to go one mile. Do anything that a soldier asked them to do for one mile. <clears throat> now, the culture that he was talking in, the Jews really hated that law. Okay, They really resented it because they, you know, they were busy people. Uh, they had stuff to do. They were important people. <clears throat> and some soldier is making me carry these logs. Who does he think he is? Now? And, uh, and so by, um, by using this example, Jesus does a couple of things. One, he dis- deliberately disassociates himself with militant nationalists. All right? And what I mean by that is that there were a lot of people in Jesus' day that wanted to uh, raise a revolt and actually overthrow the Romans or oppose. So they would not do that. They would not carry whatever the Romans did, no matter what, as a form of protest. Okay, And, of course, even if they were arrested, whatever happened, <clears throat> they were trying to protest. And Jesus actually says, I'm not here to lead that kind of revolt. Right. You know, because what the, the revolt, the revolution that Jesus led is still going. Right. He had a bigger revolution in mind. <laughs> and we're all part of it. Hallelujah. We're taking over the world. Jesus chose, also chose an example that would irritate his listeners. I love it. I love Jesus. <clears throat> All right. He wanted it to be personal. Everybody that heard them, heard him say that example, had a personal reaction. Because this was something that was really a hot pot, uh, button uh, topic in his day. And he wanted it to be personal because righteousness happens at that level. That's where righteousness happens. It doesn't happen when you're discussing big ideas, as good as that is. Righteousness happens when the things that, you, that irritate you, you learn how to respond to them in a way that's Christ-like and a not, not a way that's just self-preserving. That's, that's where righteousness happens. So how do we react when someone forces us to do something that we don't think is our job? All right? When someone puts their expectations on us. How many have had that happen? People expect this, and they expect that. And who are they to expect? You know, we still get this with our parents, regardless of how old we are. <clears throat> All right? I was, you know, I talked with my, my siblings, and sometimes they, they, they react still very intensely sometimes about expectations that they feel from my mom. I'm like, we're all old you know, our kids are <laughs> like, get over it, man. Uh, not that I ever do that. <laughs> or, 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 or uh, you know, in the workplace. That's not my job. 
and the church, who do they think they are telling me to do that? All right? How do you react when, when that feeling of, that's not fair? That's not my problem. How do you respond to that? It's not my chore. Yeah. My, my boys aren't in here, so I, don't, I skip that one. <laughs> do we begrudgingly do the minimum and complain about it the whole time? Or, yeah, that's generally. That's not the right response. Or do we do the job, do it the best we can, and do twice as what's expected? One guy, years and years ago, uh, he just didn't know what to do. His neighbor would rake all of the leaves that fell from his tree into his yard and put them back in his yard. <laughs> I know, which is like, that's silly. You get to, so it was my, like if my tree, my tree, I have, this, I have two giant trees, and the one tree, half of the leaves go in my neighbor's yard. So this guy's neighbor actually would just throw the leaves back into my yard, <laughs> in this case, in his yard. He was like, what do you do with that? And I, my advice was, you know, go rake his whole yard. <clears throat> I don't think he actually followed that advice. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have. <laughs> but, you know, that would have got the point across, you know. Um, <clears throat> and that's, that may be an example. Uh, <laughs> this is following Christ's example. He didn't have to endure the cross. All right. In, in the garden, he chose not my will, but thine be done, even though it cost him personally. All right. When we suffer that cost as a way to represent Christ, we may become an example to somebody else that possibly could lead them to taking advantage, uh, uh, who are taking advantage of it. It might lead them to Christ. And this is actually a very powerful testimony of uh, when I first got saved, <clears throat> I got saved in a factory and there was other Christians and one was this uh, fellow uh, Christian, and he was working in the same factory. And um, his foreman, whose name was Ramon, actually got saved later that year. And um, he responded to an evangelist preaching the gospel, and he got saved. And it was great. But later, he explained what what opened him up to listen to the message of the uh, evangelist was the testimony of this guy. I think his name was Fred, that worked in his department, that was under him. And, and Ramon knew that Fred was this, this on-fire Christian and actually was, didn't like it and would purposely, for several years, had, would always give him the worst jobs. And it made him even more angry that he never complained. And he always would do a good job and he just did whatever he was told. And he never complained. And, and Ramon couldn't get this guy to complain. He said that's what opened him up to listen to the gospel that eventually led him getting saved. Wow, what a great example. So you don't know. And it may not happen while you're at the job. Right. It may not happen until ten years later that that person remembers your testimony of how you responded to injustice because they were mad for whatever reason and singled you out. You respond. It can open up the way for them to come into relationship with Jesus. Okay, last example <clears throat> is living generously. Give to him who asks, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. So uh, this might not seem like something an evil person would do, but Jesus is talking about how to respond when someone who's treating you wrong uh, and, and people who are constantly asking for stuff or borrowing, how do we respond to this? And this extends the same attitude found in the other examples to our property or our stuff. Everybody say stuff. That's their stuff. <clears throat> the uh, commentator says the free and unselfish attitude to rights, what's right, what's wrong? Our rights, defending our rights, extends to our property rights, to our property. 
Luke's version in the Gospel of Luke puts it this way. It's a little more far-reaching. It says, give regularly to everyone who begs from you. So there's this, 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 this living, generous uh, um, idea. And the, the principle behind this is that the needs of others comes before my convenience. And if there's ever a word American Christians need to embrace is that is this, that the needs of others must come before our convenience. Um, you know, by world's standards, we are all rich, right? Um, we are all, the, the poorest person in this room is one of the richest people in the world. The poorest person in this room, you are one of the richest people in the world. So if you compare yourself to movie stars and, and uh, uh, you know, whoever, that's the wrong comparison. You can always find somebody richer. But you compare yourself to the average of the world population, you'll find out you're filthy rich. And the idea is, <clears throat> I like the way the message put, puts this, no more tit for tat. The same idea in the legal sense, in the revenge sense, but in the giving sense and how people treat my stuff. Don't, don't, don't live tit for tat. Live generously. Just give it away. Give it away. Give it away. And for many of us, this actually gets more personal. Right? You know, you can take an insult, uh, a judgment. I don't care what they think of me. You know, unreasonable demand. I work more than they do anyway. <laughs> but don't you touch my computer. I'll break your face. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't touch my checkbook. Don't touch my money. Uh, don't touch my stuff. And it, different people are different. Some people don't care about stuff. But some people are very protective about their stuff. And so is this where it shows up in you? All right. Are you really are you living generously? Paul writes to Timothy to instruct the people in his church. Um, and he says this is command those who are rich in this present age. Excuse me. Everyone in this room, you're one of the wealthiest people in the world. You need to understand this and, and, and live your life based on that truth, because your eternal judgment will be based on that truth. You will not be compared to just the norm in your community. You have to understand you're one of the wealth. So this verse applies to every American. Really, even someone on welfare compared to world standards is, is wealthy. <clears throat> so what do, how do we apply? What should we do? Who are rich in this present age, don't be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So he's not against having things to enjoy. It's all a gift from God, but we don't trust in them and we give the credit to God. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up uh, for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may, hold, may lay hold on eternal life. So Paul is actually saying that how you use your financial resources in this life will make a difference in the life to come. And he's saying this to Christians. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about, wow, how you use your financial resources will have eternal effect upon you as well as upon others. That's why it's so important to live generously. And again, this displays Christ-like character. He was willing to give up His glory. He was in heaven. He created everything. And He gave that up to come as a man and suffer the cross that we might live. Again, <clears throat> when we demonstrate selflessness with our stuff, it reflects Jesus' character. reflects Christ-like character. And we need to be disciples as much uh, with our stuff as we are with our beliefs. 
right? And our behaviors. It's representing Christ to the world. And that's the end of the sermon. Tori has some announcements. Give her a hand.